Hello there. This is Eric Sinrod from Dwayne Morris, bringing you your weekly Tech Law 10, our podcast where the law and information technology intersect. As always, I'm joined by my colleague at Corduroy. 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 We know that. <laughs> Easily the mistake. <laughs> his name is none other than Jonathan Armstrong. Of course, I got his name right. This is your podcast 255 listeners, and we're going strong. Um, we might take a couple weeks off to accommodate holiday here, uh, but feel free to uh, listen back uh, to the entirety of our work, the, the 254 preceding this one and this podcast, to stay abreast and also know what's happened uh, in the past when it comes to high-tech law. All that being said, I'm going to turn it over to Jonathan now. Jonathan, I think you're uh, ruminating about third parties and security and breaches, and what are we going to do with that at all? Yeah, no, that's uh, that's very relevant. Thank you, and do listen back to our oeuvre whilst uh, we're away. So, yeah, I've been giving a lot of thought recently to the role of third parties in security breach, and there's a couple of reasons for that. Firstly, because more and more of the breaches we are seeing across our desk seem to involve third parties. And secondly, we've been doing some strategic thinking in connection with uh, something called Breach Navigator that we've developed, which is a, a tool to help people manage software, uh, manage security breaches. But one of the, the striking things, it seems to me, is the way in which major corporations have changed in the last 10 years or so. So previously, it was relatively easy to deal with a security breach, for example, in that we could quite often do what's called perimeterize our network and our premises so that so long as we secure the outside of the building and so long as we put security around our network, then we were more or less okay. Of course, I'm oversimplifying it. wasn't quite that easy. But what has changed, I think, in the last 10 years or so is that many organizations rely on others to do essential things for them. So in the employee-employer arena, very few corporations pay their own employees anymore. They use a vendor to do that. Many, uh, very few uh, employers pr provide pension for their employees. They might rely on a third party to do that. In the U.S., medical provision will be outsourced to an agency to provide. When I send an employee to travel somewhere, that's likely using a travel management application to organize all of that. When I give somebody a credit card, that's likely managed online somewhere else. And the same is true in the customer environment. If I allow somebody to book on my website, then I might have the website hosted by a big provider like Microsoft or AWS, which didn't used to be the case so much 10, 15 years ago. I might be encouraging people to book on credit card, and that credit card fulfillment is being done by a third party. And as we use more third parties to do stuff for us, then as a general rule, our security gets weaker. Now, that's not always the case because sometimes the vendor applies more security than we've got the ability to do ourselves. 
but we've seen some really major breaches in the last four, five, six weeks where the organization concerned has said that the breach is the sole responsibility of a third party that does things for it. And what I've also noticed is a reluctance of some third parties to share the pain, to take the blame, and to help the organization concerned with remediation and with its compliance. Now, obviously, as a starting point under GDPR, an organization has to put in place appropriate measures to make sure that data is secure. If it fails to do that and there is a breach, it has to tell a regulator, usually within 72 hours, and it may also need to tell victims. And I've seen issues here in, in all three areas. Firstly, oftentimes the third party isn't taking as much care with data as we want them to. Secondly, they're not telling an organization in time for it to make a report within 72 hours. And thirdly, they're often unclear as to what went wrong, which harms an organization with its transparency obligations to third parties. Now, GDPR has a number of theoretical, at least, cures. Uh, a data processor, so a vendor who's processing data on behalf of an organization, has to tell the data controller, so the, the client or customer in this case, under GDPR Article 33, open brackets, two close brackets for the GDPR geeks and monsters, without undue delay. It also has to assist with making reports under Article 28, and, it, and that could include <coughs> audits and inspections. But what I've seen increasingly is because some vendors have more commercial power than even large corporations, they're just saying no. It's easy to see that some data centers have become quasi-monopolists. Some people who run helplines have become quasi-monopolists. Some payroll providers, some travel management providers have become quasi-monopolists. And because organizations often can't move easily because they have to untangle the application from all of their internal processes and procedures. A lot of third parties, I think, are becoming somewhat arrogant and somewhat uncooperative. So what are the answers? Well, first of all, I think any organization has to have its own proper processes and procedures in place for monitoring if there's been a data breach, assessing its severity, and reporting it. And, and, and software can help with part of that process. But in addition, of course, you'll need to make sure that third parties are telling you in time. So you're going to have to encourage those third parties to have their own processes and procedures in place to tell you quickly. Training is key, both in terms of your staff and their staff, to make sure that people are identifying issues quickly. Ideally, they're preventing them. But if they can't prevent bad things happening, then at least they're fessing up in time. I think that organizations need to make it clear that if something bad happens, then they will expect uh, cooperation. Those uh, GDPR requirements in Article 33 and Article 28 will be a minimum. They'll need to make it clear that they don't expect 
vendors to charge uh, for any of that cooperation if they're responsible for the breach. I know it sounds commonplace, but I am seeing vendors that are suggesting that they might charge for cooperation. That uh, isn't on. And equally, I think it needs to be clear that organizations have the right to audit, the right to inspect uh, vendors who get things wrong particularly, or even if there's a suspicion of something going wrong or a near miss. Again, contracts are key. And again, we have regulatory findings, for example, in the Expedia case in the UK, where uh, the regulator said that even if the person providing services for you is an associated entity, so maybe you're members of the same corporate group, you still have to approach it with the same rigor as if they're an outside uh, vendor. And then I guess my last tip is just to make sure that the vendor has skin in the game. We had one incident, for example, where a vendor lost an awful lot of data and their liability was capped at a pretty low dollar number. So when we asked them questions about the breach and the consequences, they just said, look, the maximum we can pay you is X. We have credited X to your account and we're not answering any more questions from now on because we've, we've paid you up. We've paid you the maximum we're entitled to in the contract. So obviously, for it to be a GDPR-compliant uh, outsourcing or passing of data or whatever, the vendor has to have skin in the game. You're going to have to look very closely at things like, um, you know, the sort of boring things lawyers like to look at, like warranties and indemnities and the value mm -hmm. of those warranties and indemnities to make sure that you're safe. So that's been a little bit of a monologue, uh, Eric, but as you can <laughs> see, it's something that's on my mind at the moment. And I I'm, listeners, I'm still here, I promise. Uh, <laughs> Jonathan, you're fresh as a daisy. One would never think you need holiday. I think no holiday for you. We're just going to keep going. You're, you're loaded. Uh, no, seriously, uh, you covered the waterfront um, succinctly and well. This is a big topic. I'll try to keep my comments really brief. Maybe I'll say just five quick things if I can. One, I'm not here to talk about GDPR. That's, that's your thing. Uh, here on the U.S. side, I mean, clearly the paramount issue on the front end is to prevent these breaches, you know, however possible. Um, you know, but there's no, there's no perfection here, as we know. And then when a breach happens, uh, you know, all attention needs to be paid at least immediately to the remediation because that's critical as, as soon as possible. But then we do get into what you refer to sort of as the boring stuff of the contractual terms, but they're very important because you'll see that, um, you know, a given company, if you dig deep into the, the terms, will will try to, if possible, you know, place responsibility for liability on the third parties uh, where they deem appropriate if they can in the contractual negotiation. And then also, if customers, you know, dig into some of the terms of service, they might find that the uh, company they're dealing with online, for example, will say uh, it's responsible for maintaining, you know, security in its own right, but it might not bear responsibility for breaches caused by third parties. Um, but hopefully in any given situation, the customer is not feeling the pain and the remediation is happening, and then the company and the third parties will deal with 
the contractual terms and work out who uh, monetarily is responsible for, for paying for and um, addressing that remediation also as a technological matter. Phew. So those are my quick points. Um, probably given the length of this and Jonathan and your holiday, I'm going to wrap it up. So this is Eric Sinrod. I'm at Dwayne Morris. You can reach me at ejsinrod at dwaynemorris.com. You can find us on the usual social media outlets for the next couple of weeks. Please do go back and listen to the entirety of our work, 254 preceding podcasts plus this one, number 255. And now we turn it over to Jonathan for the final wrap-up. Well, thanks very much, Eric. Jonathan.Armstrong at CordryCompliance.com. Thanks very much for listening. And uh, as Eric said, we'll speak to you again in two or three weeks' time. Take care. And bye for now. All right. Bon voyage, bon voyage Jonathan. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Okay. Bye. Bye-bye.